Good morning, another sunny, fine Saturday morning. We're here just finishing off our breakfast. So I think last week we left off, you had packed your bags, kind of did your farewell to the French maidens and headed off to <laughs> yeah. Toronto for bigger and better things. Yeah, uh, that's what I thought at the time because big city, you know, like over a million people. Uh, Sure enough, they will never notice there's one more. Mm -hmm. Just to clarify, you were heading to Toronto because there was you did have someone that was going to be in Toronto, correct? Well, the uh, uh, well somebody who lived in Oshawa, but yeah. I had no idea mm -hmm. at that time how far Oshawa was away from uh, from Toronto, right. and especially when you don't even have a bike, let alone a car, and you got to go by bus, uh, and uh, you've never been there, so you don't know the way and. But I thought if I get to Toronto, I I just get a job like uh, a million other people have a job. Uh, I'm sure that I'll find one. You know, they're just for the picking. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's what I thought at the time. But uh, you're young, and uh, and I had absolutely no idea, even after my previous experiences here in the few months that I was here, uh, I still had no idea because I went from the wilderness where I came to uh, a, a, a million plus city and uh, it was just unbelievable. I never saw anything like it. Right, so you, you left Sudbury, do you remember what day of the week you left? Was it like did you arrive on a Monday or don't recall? I don't remember that. But you had arrived in Toronto at, at at where most of the train had dropped the, off. In the Union Station. Right at Union Station, okay. Yeah, I uh, I got there and it was, well, it was starting to get dark when I got off the train. And uh, so here I am, Union Station, and big suitcase in one hand, a little suitcase in the other. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, I'm not going to, all of a sudden, I, I better think about what I'm going to do. I got no place to go. I... Uh, I had no, but maybe a buck. That was all I had left in my pocket. So I couldn't go into a hotel. I couldn't go into a motel. I couldn't go into a boarding house. Uh, so what am I going to do? And then somebody said, if you want to store your suitcase, uh, they have uh, these lockers. Mm -hmm. They have little ones where you can put papers, but big ones for suitcase. And that's what I did. I, I went there and asked the, the guy if I could have a locker. Oh yeah, and there was the locker and uh, there's the key. And I was off on my, on my wanderings. And uh, uh, the suitcase stayed there until I finally got a job and could afford to get a place where I could open the suitcase. Because you don't want to do that outside by the side of the road, and that's that was my living quarters, the side of the road, because that's all I had. So you checked in your suitcase, and, and then, then I took my, I took the little one, and uh, well, where am I going to sleep tonight? I wanted to think ahead a little bit. I just came off the train, and there is always uh, a little bit of something to drink or eat on the train, especially in this country because the distances are all so humongous. And uh, so food was not the first thing on my mind. I had to, uh, where am I going to sleep? And I soon enough found out that uh, it wasn't going to be indoors because I didn't have the money for it. And you got to have the money up front not to sleep somewhere. Unless you sneak in somewhere, which I did eventually. But uh, I found this park. Um, forget the name of the park now. But I went there and there were benches, beautiful park and uh, nice trees and bushes and there was this bench and it just, uh, it, it seemed like the right spot to sit down and rest and you, you uh, take in life, it, it, to find your bearings. Uh, so I sit there wondering and, and then my eyes, they fall on the bunch of bushes that 
that was there and uh, there was no flowers or anything on it because it was too late in the season. But it was dense enough. I thought, well, I got my raincoat in that suitcase. I'll take that out and make a good blanket. And I can lie down on this bench. That's no big deal. So I fashioned a pillow with whatever I had in this in the in that suitcase and I got the raincoat, put that over me, I lay down on the bench and soon enough I uh, but first I was thinking about uh, what the hell did you do? You know, I asked myself that question so many times. What did you do to, to come here and why don't you think ahead? You soon enough start to learn. You got to think ahead, think ahead. So uh, I have trouble with that. But anyhow, I went to lay down and I wake up in the morning and I slept all night. I didn't have to get up. In those days, I was I had a lot stronger bladder. And I get up in the morning and I shook the snow off my raincoat that I had over my shoulder. And uh, uh, this is not going to last. But that was one of those, well, little snowfalls. Not, not, a, not a big downpour. It was just, I had a thin layer of snow on me. This is around... November, Let's just say, yeah, and I would say so at the really end of November. Yeah, so you haven't really got to winter yet. You're, you're, you're no, no, well, no, it was still uh, uh, by season, it was yeah. still in the fall. Gotcha, okay. And uh, I, I think rather late fall, anyway. Uh, I, uh, I get up, and then, well, up comes the situation. Uh, well, I was used to, even during the war, mm. I ate breakfast, so uh, I got to eat. Oh no, there is nothing there. Uh, uh, and I sauntered down the road to get my little suitcase out of and look stupid walking with a suitcase yeah. and a raincoat on in the fall. But, uh, well, what else can I do? You go with, uh, you row with the oars you have in your boat. And uh, I found this restaurant, and there was a nice waitress, and I asked her, I said, how much is a glass of warm water? And she looked at me, and warm water? I said, well, the reason I ask is because I haven't had breakfast, and I don't have any money to buy breakfast. So I think that uh, a glass of warm water would certainly not be, uh, you would, uh, it wouldn't be that much that I might have a nickel. And uh, she said, no, 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 she said, that is for free. I said, and then and all the stuff here on the counter they had, uh, salt, pepper, and ketchup, and mustard, mm -hmm. and Kleenexes, you know, like those tissues uh, in, in, the, in the fancy container mm -hmm. that I never seen before. Yeah. But uh, in in Churchill, I saw that they had the same thing, believe it or not, uh, except uh, the building was not so nice. And so she got me, uh, I was sitting at the counter, and I got that glass of water, she said, are you sure that's all? I said, well, I don't have any more, check my pockets, I, I, I can't order it because I can't pay for it. Well, no, no, that's okay, she said, that's okay. So I took the ketchup bottle that is uh, supposed to be a condiment that you put on the food if you get chips or something. And I put some in that warm water and I stirred it up with a bit of salt in it. And when it was, yeah, that seems about the right taste. Uh, I wasn't crazy about tomatoes, but under the circumstances, uh, that was, uh, at least I didn't have an empty stomach. I had a glass of warm ketchup on me, diluted warm ketchup. And uh, I said, thank you very much. And she looked like, well, yeah, but uh, uh, I can't do it. But almost as if uh, I'll get you breakfast. But uh, of course that didn't happen. And I went out and looking for a job. And uh, I walked down Bloor Street and Bloor eventually turns into Danforth. Right. 
And I all of a sudden noticed that I'm on the dance floor. I, actually, I never actually saw the changeover. And uh, so I keep on going down the, the dance floor and I see these car lots and they had hundreds and hundreds of cars and there was older cars, there was new cars and, uh, and it was, what the heck, uh, Ted Davies. Uh, but uh, had the car lot there, and uh, uh, something Rama. Uh, uh, but they were selling cars too. It was a fancy lot. So I go looking around there and just admiring the car, but because I could see him and I never saw cars. Uh, from the inside too much, because there were very few back home, and uh, I just got here, and there was none in Fort Churchill, so uh, well, there were in Sudbury, of course, and I sat in them, but uh, when you see them on the, on the lot, it's different, and so many different ones in different colors, but, uh, and then one the guy comes up to me and he says, uh, Yes, that's a beautiful automobile, isn't it? These guys start talking. I said, yeah, it sure is. I said, it's, it's amazing how they make them nowadays. So I started to talk to the guy. He says, and it's only, and he mentioned the price. I said, no, 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 no. I said, I'm not here to buy a car. I'm just here to admire them. Well, yeah, but uh, uh, surely you, I'll, I'll make it so that you can afford to, to, to make the payments. I said, no, you can't. I said, I just got to Toronto and uh, yesterday and I I don't have any money and uh, I, I'm flat broke. I'm Actually, I'm homeless. You got to be kidding. I said, no, I'm not kidding. But I sauntered around and I just came to have a look at these beautiful cars that you got sitting here. And, uh, well, soon enough he was gone because he knew that he wasn't going to make a sale. And... Uh, then I look around and go across the road, and as luck would have it, a little bit paddled down. There was a car dealership, but there was a road that ran parallel on the north side of the Danforth. And there was a bunch of bushes, shrubbery, trees. They, they were uh, too big for a shrub and too small for a tree, that kind of thing. It's like a, a wild going hedge. And I wandered around there with maybe 10 or 12 cars and, hey, that looks good. That, and nobody came up to me. I, I could uh, look around and uh, there's an old Model A Ford sitting there right up against the, the fence with all those bushes, nicely hidden from view. I never saw it off of the Danforth. And as I'm looking in there and, Yep, and look at that. There was a blanket on the back seat. That is, that my bed is made. I got it made. So I walked around looking for a job. Surely by tonight I'll have a job. Because over at the car lots, I, I couldn't even get a job for cleaning a car or anything. I tried hard enough, but uh, no, that didn't work. And... Uh, Maybe I made the wrong impression. You can walk around, the young guy with a, a suitcase is just like uh, nowadays, a young guy with a backpack, you know, the wonder what he's got in that. So, uh, in vain, I walked around and uh, I pulled the same thing and I uh, went in a restaurant and see if I could have something to eat. And, uh, well, no, but uh, well, I had my glass of hot tomato juice and uh, the ketchup, and I went back to that car lot, and by that time it was dark, and the lights in the sales office were out, and there was a, a light on the lot, but it was shining more past the cars than on the lot itself. It was just a small lot, like... Um, it wasn't even the biggest of our backyard here. And uh, I went up there, and sure enough, the door was still unlocked. 
the car couldn't get out anyway because it was all blocked in by other cars. It was just one of those old cars, uh, like pre-war cars, sitting up against that. Well, it was, uh, it would still run, but uh, and maybe some sucker would buy it. But anyhow, I went in there and I put my suitcase on the floor at the far end in the back. And it was right there I was going to have my, my head. And I called in, I got the blanket out, put that on, and boy, I got it made. I'm not outside. No snow is going to get on me. I improved on my circumstances. And uh, I woke up in the morning and I opened the door. And sure enough, there's a guy standing there. And he says, what are you doing here? This early in the morning. I said, well, I'm sorry, but I slept in this car during the night. He says, you, you, you came in here last night? I said, yeah, it was dark. I said, there was one floodlight on, some kind of big light on the post. But uh, nobody there, and I got no place to go. So, uh, and I told him where I had been, where I came from and whatnot so that he didn't get this idea that that is one of those vagrants uh, trying to steal something. Yeah. I says, and uh, I can't drive because I don't have a driver's license. So I don't, uh, but I thought I can, I can sleep in this car, I'll be inside because last night I slept in the park downtown and uh, I woke up uh, with uh, with snow on my raincoat that I used for a blanket. And when I came by here and I saw this big old Model A sitting there, I said, wait, wait a minute, there is my bed. And I walked up uh, around noon or you know, in the middle of the day and I was looking around and he said, well, I never saw you. I said, well, I, I didn't spend too much time here, but I was looking at it and I saw there was a blanket on the back seat and I tried the door and it wasn't locked and I thought my bed is made so that's why I slept here. But he said I have a young family, I got two young girls and uh, my wife and my, my family, we have a small apartment. He said otherwise I would, I would say uh, you can come at my place but he says we really don't have the room. He said it's too bad that Things uh, are going that way for you. And he genuinely felt bad. And he said, just a minute. He says, I'll be right back. He said, don't go anywhere. He says, I just got stepped in the office. I didn't know what for. And he came back and he had a sandwich in his lunch pail. Mm -hmm. And he says, here, this is a sandwich. He says, you eat it. He says, you need a lot more than I do. I couldn't say no because my stomach was just like the, the pendulum in a clock, uh, you know, like a, a glass of tomato, a ketchup juice, uh, even warm, isn't making up for a meal. Mm. But it, it, it gives you that feeling of having something in. So I devoured that sandwich, and it's a good thing that with the last bite I took my thumb out from between the slices I would have eaten it too, because I was hungry. And uh, so he said, uh, I'll give you the key when you come back tonight. He says, come in the office. And he says, I'll be there at 6 o'clock. He says, and I'll give you the key, and then you can start up the car. It still runs, there's gas in it. And if it gets too cold during the night, you can start it up. I said, yeah, that's all nice. I said, but I don't know how to start the thing. I said, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but you can't lie there, and it is freezing. I said, don't worry. I said, do you know the difference between a park bench in the park and this car all closed in with a blanket on the back seat? I said, no, thank you, sir. I said, you gave me that sandwich. I, that is far more. I don't know how to thank you, but no, I, uh, I don't need a key. I said, I'm fine. But don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. And no, by all means. Uh, so at night I went there and I... I said, well, I came back. It's okay, he said. Uh, Good night. So he was the only salesman there. Mm. 
it was just a small, uh, a small loss. Somebody was trying to start. They didn't make big money, so they weren't so much after the money as as to establishing themselves. And I slept there again, and then I thought, well, maybe, because I didn't even have a nibble on my try to find a job. I better go back downtown. So that's what I did. I went down the Danforth again and down Bloor Street. And I ended up on Sherburne. And I look around and then you have Jarvis and uh, Young and they were all the north-south ones where Bloor is east-west. And there's a big TD bank and I thought by myself, Look at all the money in that building. And if I could only get a couple of dollars out of there, I could go and have a meal. I could rent a room somewhere. Uh, but of course, there's a brick, big brick wall. And even if you get inside, you still got to get in the vault. So that was, but I was dreaming about having a bit of money. It was a big thing. And, uh, Next to the TD bank, it says Selby Hotel. And I walked up there and I look around. I look through the window, yeah, there's a restaurant and people are eating in there. And, you know, when you see food, when you're hungry, it gets really bad. But what can you do? Uh, no money, and especially not in the restaurant of a hotel and in, in downtown Toronto now. So I look around and looking at the bank again and looking up Sherburne Street or down Sherburne Street going south. And uh, as I stand there wondering what am I gonna do with my life, I see these girls coming out and they had a black dress on and a white little cap, like a, a kind of a royal tiara or something. And I said, holy mackerel, that must be a fancy joint. So, uh, and they carried the bucket and there is a little alleyway between the bank and the hotel. And they go in the back and there is a barrel and they dump that bucket that they have and restaurant, food, leftovers. Aha, that's where they dump stuff. I go and have a look there. Uh, I wasn't fussy at all by then. And uh, the girls go inside and I started to look around and there was enough light coming in that I could more or less see what was in there. And I thought I saw a potato floating on the top. And I take it out and I buy it. Yeah, it's cooked. Oh yeah, leftover. And uh, and there was uh, a piece of meat and there was some strips of uh, bacon. They were well soaked. Uh, but it didn't matter. It was all food that people left. They had more than they could handle. And so they dump it. And sure enough, at around seven o'clock, this pickup truck comes up and this farmer, I found out later, he was from Steeles Avenue where he had a pig farm. And he came there every day to pick up the slop for his pigs. And he emptied that in buckets that he had on his pickup truck. I thought, well, I got here just in time because I got the cream of the cup. I, I skimmed it right off the top of the barrel and he emptied it and was gone. So. The next day I made sure that I was there again in time in case I hadn't found any work. And as I stand there the next day and I'm munching away and I, <laughs> uh, I couldn't understand how people would order a steak and then not eat it because it was a whole bloody steak. But to me it seemed like a whole steak and they were side big steaks. Uh, in those days, everything seemed to be so much bigger. And I hung it over the edge of the barrel, and I'm rinsing the tobacco strands or whatever that was in that soup and coffee and tea uh, slop mixture. 
And so I had a bite of the steak and then the bite of my potato and I was beginning to feel like a king and my stomach was getting full. I was, uh, and, and I was really focused, fill up, fill up, because who knows when you're going to get the next meal. Then all of a sudden I hear this, this baritone voice and what are you doing here? I go, holy mackerel. And I look around and there's this guy standing at the door of the restaurant where the girls came out. And so I thought, well, uh, I probably got to have a, a place inside to sleep because he's going to call the cops and they're going to take me in. But at least I'll be inside. And uh, so I, I told him, I'm sorry, I said, but I saw girls dumping the food in here and I'm hungry and uh, I don't have any money to buy food. So I thought, well, I got to eat. And uh, since this food, it may be cold, but uh, it's food, it's edible, it's good. I said, and it, it's really tasty, I like it. And so he could tell by my accent that I was not a born Canadian. He said, or a Canadian. And he said, uh, so where do you come from? So I told him. He says, and I was still standing there with that potato in my hand when he mm. caught me. And he says, drop everything. He says, I want you to come inside. And I thought, oh, oh this is the moment. Mm. And I go inside and he says, you sit down. And he sat across from me at a little round table that was actually, later on I found out his table where he usually sat. Somebody comes in, he gets up and greets So is this in the dining area? Or? In the dining room, yeah. In the dining room, okay. Yeah, but I called it the restaurant, but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the dining room of that, of the Salby Hotel. Mm -hmm. And uh, he picks up, he just sits there, never said where he was from, why I was there, why he called me in. And he takes this big menu card and he opens it up with his fingers. Well, he does that every day, I suppose. Mm. And he handed it to me, he says, you order anything on this card. He says, it's on the house. I'll pay for it. He says, I want to talk to you. I says, well, uh, but I can't eat. I says, I don't have any money. I said, that's why I was eating in the alley. Mm -hmm because I can't afford to come in here and order a meal. I don't have the money. He says, no, but you said you were from Holland. I said, yeah, but that still doesn't make me rich enough to buy a meal. No, he said, but I got to tell you, during the war, he said, I was captured by the Germans, the, the Nazis, and put in a, a prisoner of war camp. And he says, I'm Polish and I was in the Polish army, he says, and being a Polish officer, I got in a group where other <coughs> army officers were not, the, you know, because yeah. they treated uh, the, the striped people, the, 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 the officers and stuff, a, a little bit better than the, the, the normal soldiers. Anyway, he said, I was there with a couple of Dutch so, uh, officers and he said, i like to talk to you about the, uh, you, uh, you don't, uh, you didn't like the Nazis either. I said, no, I said, uh, I watched him. I said, my brother was with the resistance. Oh yeah, my brother too, and uh, in Poland. And so anyway, uh, uh, we were talking and he said, now, before you finish, he said, before you start on your dessert, dessert? after I eat his big steak with mashed potatoes and the whole bit. And uh, he says, I expect you here at seven o'clock tomorrow morning. He said, you're my new dishwasher. He said, I'm looking for a dishwasher. So seven o'clock tomorrow morning, I expect you to be here and I'll give you $15 a week. Holy mackerel, 15 bucks a week. Mm -hmm. I got it made, I got it made. So I had before, I walked through the side streets and Sherborne, and a side street, uh, one or two streets south of Bloor, is called Isabella Street, going west of, of Sherborne. And so I go in there, one street is the same as another, some is bigger, some is smaller, some have nicer houses, some don't. 
And as I walk by and I see rooms for rent, rooms for rent, rooms for rent, holy mackerel, they, they got a lot of room for rent. Too bad I don't have any money. But when he says 15 bucks and you start tomorrow morning, I'll be able to uh, rent a room uh, uh, for uh, when I uh, when I when he said 15 bucks, I I can now go and rent a room. I didn't have any money yet because I got to work first, of course. And he wasn't sure that. Well, I think he knew that I was going to come back. I was only too happy to get a job, yeah. and he saw how excited I was about this uh, this was a job. But right after I got out of there, I went to Isabella, and uh, there is the house where I saw the sign. And it somehow it was a big old mansion of a house. And it appealed to me, I, there was something about the place that I thought I wouldn't mind living here. Mm. So I, I grabbed this thing on the door, boing, boing, boing. And there's this Japanese guy comes at the door, and he's a little guy, got glasses on. I said, you have rooms for rent? And he said, yes, come on in. So I stepped out of the cold and into the hallway, and I had my little suitcase. I said, I just got myself a job, and I told him, in the Selby Hotel, and I can start tomorrow morning. And I saw these rooms for rent. Sometime this week, when I passed by, walking by, but I didn't have the money, so I couldn't rent it. But now I'm gonna have a job, and by the end of the week, I'm gonna have fifteen dollars, so I can afford to rent a room. Yeah, well, he said, but you got to pay up front. I said, yeah, but uh, I, uh, I got no place to go. I'm, uh, I, I don't have a roof over my head. I said, don't you have a place somewhere that? I can lie down my head and well he said I have a little room in the basement he says that uh, well a room he said in the furnace room and then we have the laundry tubs there there's a little mirror over the laundry tubs and then there is the coal bin for the furnace they had hot water heat and they shoved the coal in there and it was nice and comfy nice and warm they had these big cast iron radiators in there and he says, you can sleep on that cot that is sitting up against the coal bed. But, uh, uh, and he says, that's $5 a week. He says, and if you want a room upstairs, that's $10 a week. But he says, I first want to have the money up front. So there went my first paycheck. Uh, when I had the, the, the first pay, $5 went for the room that I just finished and $10 for the room that I was going to have. And I took everything upstairs, and this room was so god awful big, I never saw, I thought, a room as big as that. It was going from, from earth to heaven. Mm. And uh, so I'm sitting in there, and just like royalty, I, I got very close to work, I can walk there within five minutes, I, I have my white clothes on, and I'm working away, and that's, uh, I had my job. I'll make it from here, mm -hmm. and somehow, I and and I had a I had a great old time and I made my fifteen dollars, and from there on I could actually save money because I had five dollars left over, and the meals were included. Oh, okay. Um, uh, um, one meal was included, and uh, the others I would have to pay for. That was the deal. Yeah. So. Uh, which meal do you want? And I thought, well, the first thing in the morning, it's a good thing to have food in your stomach. I says, I'll have breakfast. Well, yeah, but uh, you got to remember when you eat supper at night, it's usually a bigger meal. I said, no, no, that's fine. I said, breakfast is bacon and eggs. I says, oh, yeah, yeah, that's got the whole thing. Fine, I says, then I'll take the, 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 the bacon and eggs. I'll have breakfast. So in the morning I eat my breakfast, I start working, work all day, and uh, I didn't need to worry about eating at night uh, and having money because the dishes come in, 
and I'm the dishwasher. Mm. So I'm the guy that cleans off those plates into those buckets that the girls carry out, and it is still warm. Mm. And there was a moment when I had three steaks at around dinner time, or shortly after dinner, hanging over the back of the dishwasher counter. And I was, oh, I was in seventh heaven. I ate like a king. I had the best of the best. And I worked away. I was working. I was making money. And uh, I got along great with the chef. He was, I think he was from the East Coast, but he looked like, uh, judging by the looks of the soldiers that we had at liberation time, he's, he, to me, the appearance of a Scotsman. Don't, I don't know why, but he had black hair, and uh, Danny was his name, and he was a friendly little guy, and we got along fantastic. And what difference did I know? He was listening to the radio when he was getting, getting all worked up when at night there was a hockey game on, and uh, he was a Boston fan, and if Boston was playing and if they scored, he just went crazy. And I asked him, I said, I said, Danny, uh, you're Canadian, aren't you? He says, yeah, well, what's that got to do with anything? I said, yeah, but you get excited when Boston scores, when I thought that Boston was in the States. Yeah, he said, that's where it is. He says, I'm a fan of Boston. I said, well, what kind of a Canadian are you? I says, Toronto is Maple Leaf. I says, how Canadian can you get? I said, then you go to Montreal. That's Canada, and they, that's Montreal Canadians. I said, but going for Boston, oh, but they got and uh, uh, the the best players, and I think uh, I forget the name of the player at the time. He was one of the the big stars anyway, and uh, whenever he started to go, and they mentioned his name on his radio there. And then uh, you could tell that he was waiting for that score. And uh, to me, I would have watched a soccer game, but not be hockey because I never saw hockey in my life. I was introduced to the to hockey more or less there in the in the hotel. Mm. And uh, just backing up, so the 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 guy that gave you the job, the Polish officer. Yeah, do you remember his name at all? Uh, not his first name, yeah. but I know his Canadian version of his last name, mm. which was Mr. Banks. Mm. I, well, I say Mr. Banks because yeah. uh, people of that standing, yeah. you address as Mr. and Mrs., you know. Yeah. So, Mr. Banks, and yeah. that he's, but as we were sitting there and said that he was a police officer, he yeah. says, I came here after the war. Mm. Uh, when they could, uh, because he was still in prison in yeah. Germany, and he found his way to Canada, and because of uh, well his education, he could become a hotel manager, and he was good in English. His, his English was A1. Yeah. And uh, so he said, my name is actually Bankovic, mm. but since we are in Canada, and I cut the Ovid Strav and I just called myself Mr. Banks. Okay. And uh, so I called him Mr. Banks from there on. And yeah, the, the, and I still, when I think about him, I think about that moment when he caught me outside in that alley. Mm -hmm. I remember him in his gray, light gray suit and his tie. Mm -hmm at that table where I had my first royal meal in the dining room in the hotel. And uh, I saw a man once uh, just northwest of Toronto in Unionville. Mm -hmm. And I sold birth feeders uh, at that time. And he owned that store and he looked quite a bit like Mr. Banks. Yeah. and. In fact, I would always have called him Mr. Banks when he came to order birth feeders or something. But that, uh, that is the kind of guy he, he was. He was not tall, yeah. but uh, I think that Mr. Banks may have been a little bit taller than the guy from Unionville. But 
I'll never forget the man because how can you forget somebody who, uh, when you have uh, tomato juice in the morning yeah. and a big steak at night with dessert and all, and a job yeah. to boot. Do you remember how many days between when you landed at Union Station to when you, you met Mr. Banks? Oh. Days, like you, it sounded like you stayed at the dealership in the car a couple of days. Oh, yeah, well, the, no, no, there was, I think, close to a week. Okay. I uh, I slept here, I slept there, and I walked all over, yeah. and uh, I tried to do the best I could to yeah. keep something in my stomach, yeah. and uh, it didn't take an awful lot because uh, I heard that after at the end of the war, some of my family in the north of Holland, mm -hmm. they had actually made soup out of the weeds mm -hmm. that they pulled from between the cobblestones. Mm -hmm. That is when they had this uh, winter of 44, 45, when thousands of people starved to death in Holland. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if they can survive on cobblestone weeds, surely I saw enough greenery in that park. Yeah. I'm not going to die. It, yeah. uh, I, I don't particularly care much to, uh, to eat that kind of green, mm -hmm. but uh, starving is an awful situation. Yeah. So, uh, uh, no, I... In short order, but in about a week, mm -hmm. I went from the sandwich from that salesman on the yeah. Danforth to a steak dinner in the dining room of a hotel. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, nobody can climb the ladder that fast. Yeah. So, if I understand, so you've got your job at the Selby Hotel, the yeah. dishwasher. Your sounds like you get along well with Chef Danny. Yeah, and he was the one that kind of introduced you to hockey, is it? Yeah, he well, he was listening yeah. to hockey, and yeah. he says, "Albert, uh, you like hockey?" I said, "No, we play soccer because that is what we had back home. I always played soccer." Yeah. He says, "It's a lot like it." He says, "Except we go faster. We put skates on," mm -hmm. and I knew that we bought on shoes, of course. Yeah. And uh, so he was explaining. I said, "No, the rules are pretty well the same. You have less people in the field, but..." Uh, we had 11 and you got 6. I said, but otherwise, uh, the scoring and whatnot, uh, I was listening to it. I have a fair idea how it goes. Okay. And I got involved too. Uh, because, and then one day, it was on a Saturday, and uh, Montreal was going to play. Against Boston? No, against Toronto. Oh, okay. Is I this on the radio? Is this I was on that radio. Okay, yeah. I said, Danny, uh, you're going to be here for the... Oh, yeah, he says, I'm going to have the radio, and don't you worry. He says, you'll be a Boston fan before the night is over. And as soon as Montreal scored, hey, what's the matter with you? I said, well, that is Montreal, Canadians. He said, they are playing against the Leafs. That is the symbol of Canada. I said, yeah, maybe so. But the other ones, they don't have, you don't have to know the symbol. It says Canadians, so it, mm. they're not Americans, they're Canadians. Mm. And there was no way I was going to give up. That is how I actually became a Canadian fan. And from there on, whenever I heard uh, a hockey game anywhere, uh, I was always for Montreal. I liked Toronto because it is force-fed onto you. But in, in this area, like in, in Toronto and Oshawa, Whitby area, it's all Toronto fans, except me. I was Montreal fan. I couldn't help it. I, well, and then well, we got a bit of French background in our family, so uh, it suited me fine to go with Montreal. But from there, uh, I wrote, I had the address of a friend that came to Canada, Fritz, that uh, him and his girlfriend, and the girlfriend I had at the time, the right. four of us, planned to go to Canada. Yeah. And uh, I wrote him uh, a letter, and uh, I'm working now in Toronto in the Selby Hotel, and it's on Sherburne Street, blah, blah, I gave him all the details. And one day, the girl comes up, she came out of the alley, she says, somebody with a pickup truck is here and looking for you. 
uh, you, uh, Albert. I said, oh, I didn't know. I didn't connect pickup truck and some guy with Fred. Fred, they call him here. So there is Fred standing in that alley. I go out the door on the side where the the the, the kitchen is. And uh, so he says, you got to come with me. He said, Oakville, they just, they are building. They were at the time building the Oakville Ford plant. He says, uh, we got to go and apply there because they're just opening up, he says. Well, they're not even open yet, but we can get the job there because he didn't have a job. He's right in the motors where his twin brother worked, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, he couldn't get in there. Right. So uh, I said, but I can't go. I said, I, 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 I got to do my job. He said, well, then I'll see you tomorrow morning. He says, and I tell the manager that uh, uh, tomorrow you are looking for that you go to look for another job and you have to take the day off. I said, okay. So I told Mr. Banks and he said, by all means, if you can do better, he says, go for it. Mm -hmm. If not, he says, come back tomorrow, yeah. the job is here for you. Yeah. Well, uh, how rich can you? Yeah, rare offer you're going to get on that one. Well, there is no way I'm going to turn that down. Yeah. So uh, somehow I was lucky again that uh, he was imprisoned with Dutch officers yeah. and that made the soft spot uh, for for me in his heart. So uh, I went with Fritz the next day and he had a, a Dodge pickup truck, it was a green pickup truck. And we went to Oakville and he's driving along. I said, my golly Fritz, you got it made. I said, you got a, a truck. And, well, he said, I'm staying with my brother. He said, but uh, uh, we don't have that much room. Uh, if you were to stay for a night or two, he said, yeah, uh, we could accommodate that. But he said, they're renting an apartment upstairs. We don't have the room. And I said, no, that doesn't matter at all. If I, uh, if I can get a job here in Oakville at, uh, at the Ford plant, I'm sure I can find a room for rent if I have the money. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, no, no, no problem, he said. So we looked and we put in our names and uh, we'll let you know. Okay. Uh, I said, well, I better go back to Toronto and yeah. uh, get my job back and then wait to get the call that uh, uh, I got my job or no, I don't have a job. Yeah, just just because not all people will know the difference between Toronto and Oakville. Roughly how far apart are the two? Oh, uh, Toronto, Oakville. Because I've been in Oakville often enough. Um, how long of a drive? I would say a good half hour. Right, so just to give perspective. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah well, the, See, uh, back home it was either uh, yeah, you're not five walking, minutes or yeah, an hour. Yeah, you're not walking to work and you're not taking... Oh, no, 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 yeah. no. <laughs> okay. I, uh, and I will not walk in the streets either. Yeah. So, I, uh, yeah, I uh, I was hoping to get in at, at the four plant. The one plant is the same as another. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew that uh, Fred's brother worked in, in, in the motors, he said. Back home, he was in General Motors, mm -hmm. and uh, well, uh, that's actually all I knew. Yeah. General Motors, well, I knew about Ford, because I, uh, the guy that had the taxi in my home village, he had a Ford, yeah. and I got driven in it to the seminary. Well, so you, you slept in one. It was a hotel uh, too. Uh, but yeah, here in, in <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'd be surprised how much room is in there, yeah. and all the dials on the dash. And it uh, it was a fancy car yeah. for the time, mm -hmm. and in you know '54 yeah. it was still a fancy car. It was not a '54 Pontiac. That yeah. was my dream mm -hmm. uh, to own someday a '54 Pontiac with those stripes over the hood. And uh, uh, but uh, so you applied at Oakville, then they headed back to. I went back to the Selby, and uh, uh, so the next day I came in for my dishwashing job and oh you're back and how did you make out and did you find I said I put my name in at the new Ford plant in Oakville oh he said yeah they they're building they're building a new plant I heard I said yeah 
I said, no, I'm just having to, just have to wait because I don't know when uh, we start. No, don't worry, he says, uh, uh, you go to the dressing room, they had this dressing room there for the, for the cook, the cook and, uh, yeah. and the dishwasher, and then they had one for the girls. It was like bathrooms, they had separate too. And uh, so I put my, my white clothes on, my dishwasher clothes, and went back to work, uh, just like nothing happened. And then Fred, uh, Fritz told me that, he says, I'll see if I can get you in GM in Oshawa. He says, I don't know, I, uh, I'm not, uh, I, I don't think they're gonna call me within the next couple of weeks. He says, and I need a job, so I'm gonna try GM again. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, then let me know if you get something. So I go back to Toronto, he goes back to Oshawa, and sure enough, he calls up, I, then I could give him a phone number that we had in the kitchen, and uh, he said, uh, I'm going to GM tomorrow. He says, can you take the bus and come down to Oshawa? Well, by then I had enough bus money, mm -hmm. so I went to Oshawa with the bus and I told Mr. Banks, well, uh, my friend is uh, going to GM in Oshawa. I said, he lives in Oshawa. And just because I have a trade, I, I already told him that the first time, uh, uh, I said, I, uh, I'm going to apply for a job there too. And I said, maybe I'm lucky. I said, but if not, uh, oh, no, no, he says, you come back. I said, okay, thank you. And I went to Oshawa, and then I had to go back to Toronto to get my stuff in, uh, on, on uh, Isabella Street because I was done, I didn't need it anymore. Oh, you got hired in Oshawa. I, uh, I got hired in, uh, in Oshawa, in GM. Okay. And Fred got uh, hired there too. Okay. And uh, for, uh, for shelter, I could sleep on the Chesterfield in his brother's living room yeah. for a couple of nights. And Harry was the Fritz's brother and Harry said, well, uh, Toos, that was his yeah. wife, uh, she is with the Catholic Women's League and she knows all kinds of women who uh, take in borders. Yeah. So uh, I'll see if she can find somebody and then you can move in there. But for, the, for a couple of days we can yeah. uh, give you room here. Yeah. So that is where I uh, I stayed for the first while with uh, Fetch and Harry and Toes. Okay. And then I went to uh, that boarding house and they were... Well, let's just, well, oh. we're almost getting near the end. So I just, how long, how long did you work at the Selby before you... you uh, it must have been a couple of months. Okay. Uh, I, I think that yeah. uh, altogether, yeah. Uh, uh, one thing about Selby, they had a French-Canadian waitress and she was a happy-go-lucky kind of girl mm -hmm. and uh, she was a nice kid and a uh, well, girl because she was about my age, a bit older and so the, the cook asked her once uh, how the, uh, I forget her name now, Teresa I think, they said how do you spell egg? Because he was joking with her all the time because she was very French. Like uh, you could tell by her accent that, or the, uh, her French accent was thicker than my Dutch accent. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then she said, "E egg egg," and that hit me. And I, <laughs> you know, all those years later, I still remember "E egg egg." E -A -A. <laughs> yeah. And, oh yeah, and then she said, uh, then uh, uh, Danny said, uh, uh, I don't understand, a girl like you, why would you want to work as a waitress in a, in a hotel, in a dining room? Do you know, do you know you're sitting on a gold mine? Oh yeah, she said, I know. I said, but uh, where am I going to get? the employees to work in my mind. 
I says, can I have a job? So I put up my finger. <laughs> and then she looked at me, the hot bugger. <laughs> I thought that was funny. But anyway, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was my experience in the Salby Hotel. Now, what would you do, like, during, like, you, you got in the morning, went for breakfast, and you worked, and then you stayed at the boarding house. Did you do anything after work, Any anything? I walked down, downtown. Yeah. Uh, I came by, uh, that was just before Christmas, a yeah. while, maybe, yeah. two, two weeks before. Yeah, November, December time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as I walked, well, uh, I just happened to look at the sidewalk, and there's a grate built right into the sidewalk, mm. and in it there's leaves and something shiny. And I, well, it could be a piece of tinfoil from cigarette pack or something. Mm. But nevertheless, it deserves another look. And holy shit, a quarter! Mm. And I look around, nobody there. I lift up the grate, I take out the quarter, and yep, it's the quarter. I make a beeline for the drugstore, I go in there and I look at the Christmas cards that they sell. And there was one, it was 15 cents. Not bad. I got a dime left. And I said to the girl, I said, I would like to buy this card. Yeah, 15 cents, I paid her. I said, do you sell stamps? And she said, yes. I said, well, I need a stamp for overseas, that'll be 10 cents. I said, fine. And I gave her that quarter, so my money was gone. That was when, uh, before I had that job. Oh, okay. And, uh, and Christmas was coming, hmm. and no job. Uh, so that quarter was like a fortune, as like a paycheck. And it bothered me that I hadn't had cards or anything to write my dad how things were going, and my writing was getting less and less because the opportunities weren't there. And uh, so I, I said, do you mind if I lean on the counter here and I want to send this card to my father? And she said, oh no. She said, here, uh, uh, take my pen. So I took her pen and I, uh, everything is great then, and I wish you that, and I wish you Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and I hope to see you soon. And well, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so I let go, put the stamp on, and my dad never knew yeah. the circumstances. I didn't want him to find out because that would have bothered him to no end. Yeah. So that quarter uh, made that possible that yeah. he didn't have to worry. Yeah, that was a lucky quarter before the the Shelby yeah. Hotel. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah but my luck was coming yeah. out of every orifice in my body. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I yeah that was that was a very valuable quarter. I really appreciated that, and and she was so helpful. She must have known I was not the regular guy who yeah. just spent a quarter or something. But that was my first Christmas. Yeah. And the day after Christmas, I turned twenty-three, mm -hmm. working in the Selby Hotel. Yeah. By then, I had my job in the Selby Hotel. And I worked on Christmas Day and on Boxing Day. Uh, and I remembered my birthdays when, uh, when I was back home. And uh, being on Boxing Day, it was never the most exciting because uh, with the bakery, everybody is sleeping on, on Boxing Day after they come out of the church. Mm -hmm. Because before Christmas, there are days that they don't go to bed at all. And so I... Uh, uh, I didn't mind working on Christmas Day or Boxing Day. And on Boxing Day, there was a hockey game on Danny and I were listening to it. Yeah. And so uh, it was a, and it was nice and warm in the kitchen. That would be your first birthday in Canada then, would it be? That was my first birthday in Canada. Yeah. And I just, I only had the job but maybe a couple or so weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was... No, I was really on the up, up and up. Line. That was the, the, the incline going. Yeah. Oh yeah, That's oh right. yeah. And then when uh, years later, or years later, a couple of years later, I met Oma, and uh, uh, that was actually yep. the, the acme of the mountain. I went right to the top there, yeah. and uh, it was a flat top mountain that 
I was at for a long time before I went on the downslope. Yep. So anyway, we're almost out of time, so I think we'll cut it up here. We'll yep. talk next week. So we'll talk to everyone or hear everyone next week. Have a good Bye. night. Yep. Bye now. Mm -hmm.